0: Are we recording? Oh, yeah! It's like
1: <laughs> a year from now. Macho! Oh, man, that's Vincey.
0: I like
2: that my kids know that I'm healthy and strong and fit, and that their mom is healthy and strong and fit.
1: Like, okay, I can still get better without having to do a max effort every single day.
0: Smashing yourself on the roller for uh, an hour. Right? You're good by the next day, as long as you had a sandwich and a an knife.
2: So on today's podcast, we're going to talk about training after an injury. This is a topic that was brought up by uh, a client. They provided some feedback um, based on some of the other podcasts. So uh, I think this might be the first one that we're doing that's based on feedback from, from clients or from listeners. So um, so yeah, so we're going to talk about training uh, after an injury. So a few points we want to make sure we cover. Uh, we're going to talk about what an injury is, how they differ, chronic versus acute, We'll talk about working with outside practitioners in developing a plan. How often we do that and when we do that. What the goal is in addressing the injury, uh, and how we actually go address, go about addressing, like rehab or getting the person back to, uh, to training or as close to training, the same way they were before the injury. Um, so with that, um, what is an injury? So I mean, there's two different types of injuries. There's obviously there's a, there's chronic injury. Something that kind of comes on over time, and there's an acute injury, which is something that happens as a result of some sort of mechanism of injury. It's usually uh, something unforeseen, for example, tearing your ACL, playing a basketball game, um, falling from a rope, twisting your ankle, something like that. That may put you out for a period of time. And in this context, we're talking about injury in, in the sense of. It's, it requires you to, to to modify your training for a, a period of time so it's not something that is slightly nagging like oh i have a little bit of a shoulder thing going on but i can still train it's not enough to make me stop we're talking about injuries that force you to fully omit certain movements or to make uh, drastic modifications to your training program as a whole
0: scott what's your most recent uh major injury
2: mine would have been my back about three years ago um yeah i hurt my back in the 2017 open in workout number three so 17.3 snatches and chest bars and that that put me out for a long time
0: was that acute uh
2: that was acute um but i don't know like because i've you know i've had little snags here and there and i think it's, it's probably due to just maybe it is a, a culmination of, of things over time. It wasn't a cute thing that happened. I was pulling a snatch from the ground and, it, and I felt it happen. Yeah. So it was acute in that sense, but I think it may have been maybe may brought on by improper mechanics or improper, uh, the inability to properly stabilize.
0: So did you, I, I'm just going on a limb, did you not address some chronic issues and then it resulted in an acute incident? Or so
2: i've had, like i had si issues in the past where it would just it would lock up on me here and there every now and again maybe twice a year where i'd have to modify training for you know a week or something like that um but i think i think this was actually different i think this was it is it, it wasn't an, an si related issue um so it's hard to say i, f- I felt like i was ad- i addressed the si issue and so that wasn't what caused it it, it actually was something else so yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was mm-hmm. acute. I would say it was probably acute, just yeah. because of, just because of the mechanism of injury, and it was it was different than before. It was like nothing I'd experienced
0: before. Yeah. What about you, Tom?
1: Uh, luckily, I haven't had any real major injuries. Knock on wood. Uh, the only one I did was 2013 when I hurt my back on the open workout of box jumps and uh, 2014 of uh, box jumps and deadlifts, and I was. Just going for it and then afterwards I just didn't feel right and my back was a little bit stiff and uh, Yeah, later on that night and then the next day My back was so tight that I wasn't even I was struggling to get out of my car So I knew something was going on Um, I never got any kind of x-rays or scans or anything. I just went uh, to Cairo really and Cairo, luckily, uh, was my friend Spider at the time, and he also trained with Mike. And so he said that I should just keep my percentages on squats and deadlifts low for, it was like 65 to 75%. We didn't go over that for about three months and then slowly just started increasing the intensity after that. But that's really my only major injury i've only had like a few problems here and there where my shoulders either flare up or my knees just tendinitis reasons but other than that i've been pretty pretty lucky how about you
0: Uh, mine was definitely chronic where i wore a, a hole in my supraspinatus tendon just poor shoulder mechanics poor mobility just muscling through stuff and You get an impingement and you just don't care because you have to keep going. (laughs) And then you end up going like, I can't do something because I'm just going to keep going. You're supposed to, it's supposed to hurt a little bit. Right. (laughs) And, and, but that, that's one of those things where you're poor mechanics and you're chronically inflamed in a certain area, especially the uh, soldier shoulder, especially the shoulder, you're, you're going to end up with a lot of potential for chronic injury in that area Uh,
1: I think you just made a good point though where you said you even though you had shoulder pain you just kept going for it and I think that's actually pretty common which sometimes leads injuries to be more serious because you just keep doing your poor mechanics and you're like ah I'm good and then it can turn into a chronic problem that uh, definitely uh, alters training for longer than you want to. So sometimes it's better to step back, but it can be hard to do that as a competitor.
0: As a competitor, if you don't have a coach, the likelihood that you're going to be objective and dial back is little, almost approaching 0%. (laughs) But if you have someone that can recognize that, oh, my shoulder is a little achy, it's like, okay, well, that's simple. All you have to do is not use it for a week. Instead of, like, try to max out your handstand push-ups and snatch and and a PR your Amanda time all in the same day because, yeah, CrossFit. Going to
1: lose all my gains, though, if I take yeah. a day off.
2: I, I think it's easy to attribute it to, like, oh, I'm just doing more volume, and that's why my shoulders are a little bit achy, right? Where, to what you're saying, Jay, if you have a coach and you relay that information onto the coach, the coach would be like, well, no, because, like, the volume really hasn't increased that yeah. much. There's no reason why your shoulders should feel that way maybe if so for example it's a remote client who you don't see all the time like why don't you just send me some videos of how you're doing some stuff maybe you can kind of pinpoint something like oh that's kind of you kind of have a real funky chest bar there you know whatever or you can just start digging and get information and be like yeah maybe you should go see someone in your area and get a second opinion about you know because that's not normal house presenting given your workload and what we've been doing up until this point your shoulders shouldn't all of a sudden be hurting like that whereas if you don't have that coach there Like you said, you're you're probably apt to just grin and bear it for as long as you can until Mm -hmm. it becomes a real issue, right? Yeah.
1: I think that kind of leads into the next thing about, you know, telling him to go see somebody. So if they do go see see going see uh, outside professional, how often do you guys talk to them personally and take their advice or?
2: Yeah, it 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 really depends. I think. we, you know, we've been doing this long enough. I think we both, well, I think all of us probably have people that we trust that work in other fields like that um, specialize in chiropractic or physiotherapy. And so if someone comes to us with an issue or a concern, we'll just send them to that person. So like that person is reliable. They're very knowledgeable. They've been doing this a long time. They, they, pr- they train, you know, so that's important, you know what I mean? So someone who's, like, in the game, whether they're doing something similar to what your client's doing or whether they're, they're, they they lift weights and they're active and they they understand the, uh, like, what comes along with training, like, that's super valuable. And so if it's someone, like, like someone comes to us and relays that information, we'll just send them to one of those people who we already have a working relationship with and that we trust. If it's someone who already has a practitioner and like ah you know I, I usually see this person and i don't know that person then i'll ask them to tell me what their practitioner is telling them to do and kind of give me a little bit of background on that practitioner just so i can kind of use my judgment in in determine whether or not i think the information they're getting is one accurate and two valuable because mm-hmm. if they're going to someone who i don't know like has is super old school and doesn't train, they may tell them to oh you to just stop using whatever limb is is giving them some guff. And if it's a chronic injury, usually you don't want to stop using it altogether. You you want to you want to move it. You want to move it within certain limitations that you know are pain free or that'll allow them to still use it and have some function. Um, and stopping using it all together is not a is not a good plan so if, if i get information like that i'm always kind of weary and then i'll kind of come up with a, a plan with that client maybe take some of what their practitioner told them and then incorporate it into some of the stuff we're doing and modify it slightly but
0: yeah, yeah it, it really does depend on so in in the calgary area you have a, a working relationship with a lot of practitioners if you've been working with a lot of clients in the city so you know who to trust or you get good uh, recommendations and, and you hear someone had good results with X person. And so you're like, okay, cool. Like this person has had stuff that I kind of agree with in the past. I can, uh, I can trust at least some amount of their judgment. If it's a remote client, I'll, all I want is a diagnosis and cause I have no idea who this person is and then going from that diagnosis and also how, um, how their injury presents itself when they're moving and, and their symptoms and stuff like that, then you can build on, on what they're able to do. So it's like, okay, I have muscle strain. I'm like, Oh, that's easy peasy. All right. You just move like unloaded mm-hmm. pain free range of motion to continue on. Or if it's like, okay, I have, um, chronic inflammation in my knee. I have tendonitis as some people would call it. And it's like, okay, cool. Well, Pretty much the same, 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 uh, um, prescription is unloaded pain, free range of motion, Mm -hmm. continue on. Um, but then, but seeing how it responds to that from there, you can start to, to add to it. But some like I am generally, if someone has sharp pain that affects their quality of life outside the gym, then, and they, it hurts, at rest, that's a much more serious case th- that needs um, Practitioner intervention more than if I do something in the gym, it kind of hurts Then it's like, okay, then we, then we can address it in the gym, but if it hurts outside the uh-huh. gym, then you need Some intervention from someone outside the gym. Uh-huh. That's the way I, I break it down as far as Simple if this then that kind of thing
2: and often if that's the case where it's hurting all the time and hurting outside of the gym and everyday life, you're going to have to admit certain things yeah. entirely, right? Like oh, yeah. there's just going to be certain, you may be able to use it a little bit, but to to the degree that you can use it is, is far more limited than if it's, you know, a little naggle here in the gym, here yeah. and there, right? Yeah. Typically, in my experience anyway.
0: So where do we want to go? <laughs> back to a hundred percent function ideally yeah. depending on what kind of injury it is. Mm-hmm. So if we were talking about, um, someone comes in and they are maxing out their overhead squat and something goes wrong and their elbow gives out and it's an acute injury mm-hmm. where they have a muscle strain, lots of swelling, a lot of inflammation, bruising and they're not going to put a bar over their head for a month but from a practitioner's perspective, they got X-rays. It looks like it's just a muscle strain. What do you do? I mean, there's no, there doesn't seem to be anything that would stop them from going back to full function. Mm-hmm. It was just a one-off injury that they are going to go through the recovery steps mm-hmm. for, and then they come back and why not go back to full function eventually given how quickly they respond to training.
2: Yep. they'll modify training for a period of time to allow the injury to run its course. But yeah, there's no real structural damage there that won't allow them to have full function. Once the, once all the, the inflammation and the the healing of the tissue happens.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it seems that's a great prognosis back to normal function. The timeline is going to be very different depending on the person, depending on the individual um, injury. But that's good.
2: Elaborate on the, on the person. What do you mean by that?
0: So, if someone is a seventeen year old, eighteen year old guy who strains their tricep doing an overhead squat, um, they're back next week, yeah. right? Yeah. I, I mean, depending on how severe it is, yeah, for sure. Um, th- they're in a great place where they can just bounce back pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas someone who is in their late fifties, early sixties, who's has the essentially even the same injury. It just, it will take longer for them to get back to 100% range of motion function. It's just your body takes longer. Um, That's that's the simplest way I can look at it. So then
2: someone, I guess, like when you're talking about, ideally you're going to return to full function, but there's obviously injuries that are going to keep someone from returning to being able to achieve full function again. And then there may have to be a change in training focus in well, some capacity, yeah. right?
0: You can take a look at a different, well, it depends on the type of injury as well, it would be if someone has a a chronic inflammation in their elbow from poor mechanics and almost the same thing happens where they're doing an overhead squat and they have a tendon rupture in their elbow. That's a very different prognosis, a very different um, very different pa- path to getting back to as much function as they can and it may never be back to 100% function. Right. They may never be able to support heavy overhead in a wide grip snatch grip ever again. Mm-hmm. And so what do you do from that? Like the the, the tr- way to get back to as much function as they can may never again have an overhead squat. So right. like that's just the nature of the of the injury can determine what the potential final outcome is. Right.
2: Mike was actually talking about that the other day because he had shoulder surgery. I'm not sure when that was, 2009 or 2010 or something like that. But anyway, he had shoulder surgery I think cuz he had like kind of cro- like chronic dislocations or something mm-hmm. like that. I'm not exactly sure what it was, but he said this the surgeon said, "Yep, yeah, you should have full function in your shoulder." And he and he just said, "I knew I wouldn't." Like to the surgeon, it was better than before or just as good as before but he's like it's not Mm -hmm. you know he he said it might be like on a real good day like 90% of what it used to be but he's like so obviously he he hasn't he didn't totally change his training focus necessarily but there's just certain things he can't do example overhead squat and snatch in high volumes and have his shoulder feel good Mm -hmm. it just doesn't it doesn't happen anymore right so He just had to make that adjustment in his training and just kind of be okay with, okay, this is where my snatch is, and it's probably going to be around there. It's probably not going to go heavier than that, and my overhead squat is the same. Like, it's where someone who never had that surgery but maybe had a shoulder injury, like a strain, and they took the requisite time off, they could potentially hit more more weight in those lifts than they did previously to that injury but for some people that's never going to happen yeah, as a it, result of that right
0: there it could be uh, a slight wake-up call on your poor mechanics and you learn how to fix it and you take a day off and next thing you know you come back and your position better because you're more aware of it or it could be the opposite where you have to get surgery and that's it bye-bye <laughs> like you're not it's not it's never going to be the same so it, it.
2: so then addressing uh I guess you don't want to call it rehab, which, I mean, as a strength coach, you're partially responsible for that. It's not totally up to the, to the practitioner, as I think a lot of people feel it is. There has to be kind of a, a working relationship there, or if there's not, you have to take bits and pieces of what the practitioner thinks should happen and what you think should happen and kind of piece it together as a strength coach. Um, so how does, like, obviously that's going to differ on the injury, and it's going to differ from person to person. Um but is there a, is there a big difference between like addressing rehab for something that's maybe brought on by like a chronic injury versus an acute injury? In your opinion?
0: Yeah, I guess it would be depend on because everyone has a history and you don't m- maybe know exactly why someone um, demonstrates symptoms of like a I don't know some kind of previous acute injury is now a chronic. Um, it just it shows up in their movement and creates chronic injuries, and but you don't know what it was before. They might not even know what it was before, sure. right? It's something as simple as like our car accident, and you end up with a little bit of just just a little bit of whiplash, um, but but then all of a sudden every time someone does high repetition handstand pushups, they're they they're they're done, mm-hmm. like they're done for a week. Um, so. You, because it's so highly individual, the history, the person coming into it is, is that you have to modify training to fit that person's movement profile. I want to call it, they can't do X amount of this without having some amount of consequences. So you never go above that amount of volume or that amount of intensity. And that's it. That's, that's their limit for this movement. And you you essentially break it down movement by movement for that person because you, you have to, because it's an individual and something as simple as like, Oh, overhead squats don't bother me, but snatches do. Okay. <laughs> like, so you're only going to do a certain number of snatches at a certain amount of weight to develop the skill, but, and your overhead strength position is going to be developed by overhead squat or snatch, your push press or something. Right. It's just to, without going into so many details on every single movement, it is so highly individual that to make a, a broad statement about, um, how to address the training for that person is just, it's impossible. Mm -hmm. And if it's an, um, an acute, then you have like you you're again, working back and forth with that person, essentially testing them day by day or week by week and see how they respond to whatever it is that you're giving them. It's like, I, let's try this today. That was good. Cool. This is the next step up in that Mm -hmm. that I want you to try. How was that? Oh, it hurt. Okay. Let's spend a little bit more time at step A before we go to step B. Spend two, two more days at step A. Let's try step B. It was good. Step C. Oh, you got to go back to step B. So even the recovery process from an acute injury is progressive because, um, you start with what doesn't hurt. Cool. Let's start there.
2: Yeah, it's pretty simple linear progression when it comes to an acute injury for the most part. Yeah. Right. Start here. Cool. This is the next step. Cool. Okay. No, that didn't work. Back off a little bit. Readdress it. But you're always just just like, yeah, it's it's similar to how you would approach like a linear progression for strength training. Yeah.
0: And I mean, you go from non-dynamic movements into dynamic movements, right? Like you're like starting with squat, hinge, lunge everything's pain-free there. Let's see you do a box jump. Okay, cool. Box jumps don't hurt. You can squat, you can deadlift, you can jump. Let's see what a clean looks like. Right. And there's, there's all these different ways Mm -hmm. to add complexity and and intensity and dynamism. (laughs) I never say that. Just read it. Dynamism. (laughs) Um, that would, that adds challenge to the movement and challenge to the body. And it's like, how do you respond? pain-free cool that let's keep going with
2: yeah yeah i think if you were to break that down even further it it would make sense i think if you looked at it in in this kind of step-by-step plan of well let's uh let's try and achieve range of motion unloaded and if that's pain-free okay now let's try and achieve range of motion loaded for example like a knee injury let's see how much knee flexion we can get unloaded and that's that's pain-free cool then you'll then you would move on to, okay, well, let's see how much knee flexion we can get loaded, maybe in an air squat mm-hmm. or a single leg position. And then you would start to weight it. And then it's just a matter of once you have the function back, it's a matter of building that strength up yeah. and that confidence. Because there's also, depending on the injury, but there could be a psychological component to it as well for oh, the yeah, individual yeah. too, right?
0: But like even Tom's recovery was do the same thing you were doing, but like much less weight. And your body was able to, to f- figure it out. And that's all it was, was come, the comeback was do what you were doing and just not what you were doing. Okay, Tom? Mm-hmm. Just tone it down. Yeah.
2: <clears throat> no, ideally, I think, like, if it was a chronic, um, like, because chronic injuries often, I think, are a result of poor m- movement mechanics. And I think that's – yeah. we probably all agree with that. Ideally, you would catch that before a chronic injury – happened
0: it's but just saying that the little caveat is that when you're fatigued in crossfit your mechanics are not ideal it's true so you're almost inevitably going to run into some kind of warning signs right for poor mechanics like achy this and it's whether
2: that. the client listens to that or not mm. i suppose <laughs> um but I guess what I was what I was getting at is ideally you you would like as a as a strength coach you'd be able to and that's the, the the purpose of the movement assessment is just to try and pick out any sort of movement flaws and so then you can make up like a proactive preventative plan to work on movement inefficiencies to avoid chronic injury from happening in the future. Mm-hmm. That's not always the case. Sometimes things get missed or you have a remote client that. <clears throat> decides not to do the movement assessment that you send them and so you don't know exactly how they're moving and then they get an injury that's due like a chronic injury that's due to poor uh, movement mechanics I think it's obviously crucial to then have some sort of we call it prehab call it preventative approach to the training program to try and rectify some of those movement inefficiencies so that you can decrease the likelihood of them running into that chronic injury in the in the future right um, so, I think we we touched on it a little bit, but just maybe I think it's probably important to address the psychological component of coming back from an injury because it does exist. And depending on the injury, I think it's probably more of a psychological component than other injuries. But so, for example, say someone injures their back deadlifting and they, whatever the injury is, but it's an acute injury, they, in, they injure it deadlifting, they take X amount of time off. They go through the whole protocol of, you know, they see the practitioner, they relay that that information to you. You modify their training and adjust their training until their back is feeling better. Their back is feeling better. It's time to get back into hinging movements because it's important to have hinging movements in your uh, your training program. They've done hinging movements that are, you know, safer or feel better, but now it's time to get back to deadlifting and pulling a bar off the ground again, but they don't feel super comfortable doing that. How do you address that as a coach with your athlete or your client
1: mm.
2: like do you just say okay we're not going to we're not going to do Dallas anymore cuz you're there's too much anxiety around it and that anxiety is going to probably force you, like not probably but but may
0: no well i mean
2: or do you just say it's safe let's just do it this way we'll build up slowly
0: yeah well it depends on so if they've done Safer movements like maybe trap bar deadlifts and then maybe sumo deadlift and maybe Romanian deadlift and they've done all of these things that prepared them for pulling from the floor Then you explain the importance of being able to pull from the floor in a conventional stance because of the sport requires it um, Then
2: but but what if they're not like a competitive athlete like say they're just like then, an, an average Joe I don't mean, no, never deadlift again.
0: Yeah, they if they're average Joe they may not need to ever deadlift again. They should be able to have the capacity to do it if required, but it may not be an important part of their training.
1: Yeah, I would say I sometimes will just try to be encouraging and try and and get them to practice the movement again. But if they don't ever want to make it heavy, they may I may never press them too. Sure. It's like okay, we'll practice deadlifting, but we'll just never do it heavy. But at least keep it, week. yeah.
0: Or I mean, just the the plan may be much longer term. Be like, we'll readdress this in six months. But realistically, I'm going to make you do something a little bit uncomfortable every week for for the next six months. <laughs> so that by the time you get there, you're like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Or, but but that's like that's long, long term. I, I don't I don't think you need like if it's something that is so. So, something like going upside down in a handstand position for some people would be the same principle. Mm-hmm. Be like, okay, you don't have to.
2: There's different ways to yep. achieve the same thing. Yep, it's like yep. You,
0: you can do everything, else, everything else that will do the exact same thing except for go upside down. Cool, all right? And that's that's all right. So it would be the same thing as, in my opinion, a deadlift. You should be able to do it because it's important for everyday life but you know, we may never pull conventionally from the floor heavy ever again, which is okay.
2: You got to pick up your cat off the floor, and, a, and yep. that cat doesn't weigh 185 pounds. You're going to
0: do a <laughs> sumo cat lift instead of a conventional cat lift.
1: Thanks for tuning in. If you like the episode and know someone else that will, please share it with them as it helps to grow our reach. If you haven't done so already, please leave us a review wherever you listen for questions about topics covered on the show or topics we haven't covered yet. Send those questions to spiral at gmail.com. We do read the emails and have some topics that were submitted by listeners and we plan to cover them in the near future. You can follow at optimum underscore performance underscore training on Instagram to find out when new episodes are available and last but not least if you guys are in calgary come by and check out the gym we offer individual design as well as personal training for those close by if you live far head over to optimumperformancecalgary.com to get information on remote coaching and athlete camps catch you guys in two weeks